whether serving at a food bank or soup kitchen, is more worshipful than what we call church. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Cain in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. About a year ago, looking out over the upcoming calendar year of 2014, I took a good look at the trajectory that we were on with Walk the Earth and wrote out a series of planned episodes on a roughly monthly basis. And where we're at right now is the last of what I would describe as the originally planned Walk the Earth shows. Now, to be fair, Walk the Earth as a podcast began with a very much of an open slate, not quite sure where the journey would take me, not exactly sure what all the questions I would come up with might be along the way. But just a few months in, I did stop, take stock of what we'd learned so far and what my remaining questions were, and I outlined them so that I'd have a pretty good idea of where I stood going into, and perhaps all the way through, this year, 2014. The last question, though, was probably in my mind from the start. And I think probably the right thing to do here is to say that I'm not introducing this topic this way to say this is the end of the Walk the Earth podcast. It's not. I did the same exercise just a couple of weeks ago, around Thanksgiving time, looking out over the calendar year 2015 to kind of ask myself whether there were more questions. Questions either related to what it means to switch denominations, learn new rituals and new things, join a new church, become part of a new membership process within a church, or also whether I simply had theological questions that have come from this process of making the change we've made, and whether some of those theological questions still need to be answered. The good news for people who enjoy Walk the Earth is, yes, I have more questions. Those questions will appear here on the same feed with the Inappropriate Conversation show. They'll also be available, continue to be available, on Stitcher for those who listen to podcasts on the go using Stitcher, which can be found at stitcher.com. I also am going to continue with the SoundCloud experiment, going back to the very beginning of the Inappropriate Conversation show and laying out clips, just hints in some cases, of what those episodes are all about and putting them up on SoundCloud eventually, maybe during next year, maybe it'll take longer than that. That process is going to catch up to walk the earth. And as always, for people wanting to provide feedback, uh, I can be reached at IC underscore Greg at Hotmail.com. So, on the one hand, relax, show's not ending. On the other hand, though, I think it's fair to say that throughout the process of walking the earth, if you look at it from the perspective of perhaps an equation, like an if-then, or an if-then-else, what was the else? What was the potential end? And it really is the answer to this question. It could have been that I might not have successfully found another church. Now, at the time I was drafting this question a year ago, I think we had a pretty good idea that the church we joined, this Harmony Springs congregation, would likely be the new church home, and that's exactly how it played out. But if it hadn't gone that way, I think this is the right question to be asking. 
whether serving at a food bank or a soup kitchen or interacting in other ways with uh, people in nursing homes, orphanages, whatever the answer may be, is that ultimately a pale shadow of what it means to be a church-going Christian, an active church-going Christian, or is that perhaps in some ways true worship? Now, this is controversial. If I was discussing this question with with one of the many pastor friends that I have in my life and online, I think they might view the question as somewhat threatening. It seems to imply that maybe going to church on Sunday and sitting in a pew and uh, participating in the in the worship rituals isn't necessarily all that essential. And I think I would word it this way. Based on the number of years I've lived, the years of active church attendance during that span, what it means to be a regular church attender, how often do you get to 50 of the 52 weeks attending your own home church, or for that matter, any other church on your visits. And doing the math, I'd say that I've probably heard, I could conservatively say that I've probably heard 2,000 sermons so far in my lifetime. I'm quite sure that I've taken communion more than 500 times in my lifetime. And I'm not 100% sure I could say that the next sermon on the next Sunday or the next taking of communion on the next Sunday is going to be the most important thing. And again, it sounds dismissive, it sounds challenging, but I really have genuinely grown to have somewhat bad taste in my mouth for some of the things that I've encountered from people that I've met online, but even people that I've met in person, people I've done active ministry with in person, on the question of what does it mean to worship. For some folks, I think I would describe their understanding of worship as an act of passive participation and obedience. You sit, you listen, you stand, you sing, you kneel, you pray, you give. That's it. And that may be the closest they actually get to genuine worship. That may be for them the true religion. But I want to put another, a couple of different concepts out there and kind of discuss them from one degree to another about whether or not this notion of saying, hey, if we never found a church, what would we do? And maybe the thing that we might have chosen to do instead could be described as being every bit as worshipful or maybe, maybe more worshipful than simply engaging in Christian fellowship by sitting next to people that we know or that we've met and taking in an experience of worship that, to some degree, in some ways, that particular example of the experience of worship is not only passive, but it's, it's me-centered. So maybe I'll start with a word of scripture here, just to kind of give one view, and then I'll take a quick look from, at it from a political perspective as well. So from the, the letter of James in the New Testament, chapter 1, verse... 27, and then maybe I'll put it in its context too, but just this one verse, chapter 1, verse 27 of James. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's put this into context, maybe jumping up to verse 19 in a section that the online Bible I'm looking at describes as James discussing the concepts of listening and doing. Still the first first chapter of James. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, well, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I would say I'm going to make a transition from the scriptural perspective to a more political perspective, but in many ways, I bet you a lot of people would find those words from the Bible, from the letter of James, to be somewhat politically provocative. Here's what I want to share from the Facebook page for Walk the Earth. I posted this in December, probably the 3rd of December, if I'm reading right. My take on it was simply, if only the Christian nation talk was really all about Jesus. It's a meme that was put up by Bogosity.tv, and it says, the headline says, you're telling me America is a Christian nation? The rest says this. So basically you're saying America is founded on the ideals of a foreign-born, dark-skinned, non-English-speaking Jewish man who healed the sick and fed the poor voluntarily, defended women from being slut-shamed, opposed tax collectors, spoke out against the death penalty, supported peace and opposed war, never forced anyone to go along with what he wanted, and even opposed the religious and political nonsense of his day. Cool. I'm in. Where do we start? And maybe, just maybe, when James is talking about caring for widows and orphans, and, and how that would have been understood in his day, that being code word for, for taking care of the least of these. You know, just to use the expression that Jesus famously used in Matthew chapter 25. And you match that together with this particular, you know, meme on the internet. It basically says, yeah, where do we start? Well, maybe where we start is going to that food bank, going to that soup kitchen, going into the inner city and tutoring kids, things of that nature. What would I have done had we not successfully found a church? And what would the challenges have been? Well, I think the right thing to do, and I'm not 100% sure I would have been able to accomplish the right thing, so don't take this as any sign of pride. I'm frankly humbled by this question. I intended to record the show a week ago, and one of the things that I think has stopped me during that week is how humbled I am by this question. Because you can join a new church and participate actively in a new community of faith and worship together with them on Sunday morning and still accomplish some of these other things. And I'm somewhat hit or miss at accomplishing these other things. I think one of the things that stops me is you know, our modern age and the way our work-life balance is organized. But the place where I work actually does a very nice job of providing opportunities. I'd say a couple of times a year. It's really probably at least a couple of times a year where it's possible to get time off work to do exactly these types of things. Interact with the developmentally disabled. 
help rebuild a uh, farm community used by autistic people, um, people who are developmentally disabled but yet capable. The food bank is an excellent example, where it's possible to take a day off work or maybe even a couple of days off work over the course of a year and do something with it. Because the problem is, if I did take that time span between, call it 9 or 10 in the morning on Sunday and lunchtime on Sunday, and say, I'm going to commit this time to a completely different type of worship. I'm going to commit this time to interacting with with the elderly and the shut-in and you know the orphan, you know, just to use the, the letter of James as an example. Is Sunday morning going to be the best time for me to do that? Or is Sunday going to be a day when the kinds of things that you could do at an area regional food bank, like sorting food and stocking shelves, well, you wouldn't be able to do it then because they may be closed then because a lot of the people who volunteer at the food bank are the kind of people who want to be at church on Sunday sitting in a pew and worshiping. Now, I'm very comfortable being the kind of person who goes to church on Sunday and sits in a pew and worships sings, reads the scripture. I'll even take notes from time to time because I respond more probably to being mentally engaged than physically engaged. So for me, the the presence I maintain in social media, both through Facebook and also through, through Twitter, where I can be found at IC underscore Greg, is to engage in dialogue and conversation, to share the things that are challenging me, and to challenge others. So I do get a great deal from that, and I suspect I would probably continue with that. But it does raise some questions about, well, for one, does church have to happen on Sundays? One of the inspirations that I've taken, and I, I mentioned it in a Facebook post on the Walk the Earth page, just trying to, by first name only, drop the names of a lot of people that I interact with online who are who are pastors, or who could be described as Christian bloggers. Uh, one of the groups online that I paid a lot of attention to in the last year or so is a church in the Dallas, Texas area called Novitas Church. And they had an interesting post up several months ago where they basically said, "Don't you can't count on us to have regular church on Sunday. We're blowing out not just the concept of the walls of the church, uh, the notion that the church is a building where people come to, but the the much more New Testament idea of the, the people being the church, the congregation, the disciples being the church. But also then blowing out not just that concept of location, but also that concept of time. And say that as a congregation, they're going to meet and interact with each other in fellowship in lots of different ways. Maybe it's Tuesday night at the World of Beer. Maybe it's during the summertime in somebody's backyard for a, a, a get-together to swim or a get-together to to watch movies and discuss. You know, to me, that would be incredibly meaningful, to be able to get together, watch movies, and discuss them, especially if the palette of movies that were being chosen was was adventurous and perhaps even difficult. I sometimes referred to myself as being a fan of difficult listening music. Ironically, to be a difficult listening music lover, you also have to include some easy listening in there, because there's nothing that's more upsetting to somebody who's uh, pop top radio, straight up classic rock than being than sprinkling in some easy listening to it, but with a set of interests in pop culture that are wide and diverse, and with a knack, or at least a, very much an interest in finding the secular visions of divinity, the things which are truly holy and stuff that was intended to be purely secular, that would be exciting to me as well. That's also a church that I mentioned a while back in terms of. You read the posts that they share with each other online, and a lot of the focus is about 
hey, we need to go to the hospital and visit this person. And it's not unusual to, to get the sense anyway, and I'm not 100% sure I'm right here, but to get the sense that rather than having a gathering at a church on Sunday to worship, there have been occasions where maybe the gathering was at the hospital because somebody was going into surgery, or maybe even just on, on Mother's Day, I think is the one I'm recalling, going out in, in, on that Sunday Mother's Day, spending the time with people who were experiencing their Mother's Day in a hospital waiting room, as opposed to sort of being unaware of that, or perhaps even worse, indifferent to that, and spending a Mother's Day in a very insular congregational view. Because sometimes that that going to church on Sunday and interacting within a congregation has a way of ignoring the world, has a way, in the worst cases, has a way of creating an us versus them, because we are here, and whatever is there out there is they. And I've heard, heard it referred to many times as a we-they siege mentality, sort of an us-against-the-world idea. And that would be, of course, the thing that probably would have put me off most from most churches. An interesting development is coming up in the next few months with the church that we've just joined, in that they are now going to venture down the line of doing some interdenominational ministry with one of the other churches that we visited. Now, I'm not going to describe that as in any way unlikely. If this congregation was going to do something in league with another congregation, we visited so many congregations within driving distance of our home that it's likely that they would probably pick a church that was a church we visited. If it's one of these churches that's closer to our house than further north in the opposite direction of our house. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that develops in terms of this was a church we pretty much gave one chance to. It was not a successful visit. Uh, therefore, now we, we may be seeing that congregation in a slightly different light. I do know that denominationally, that it was one of the denominations we made sure we visited because their view of the world and their view of outreach in particular was attractive and interesting. I'm also looking forward to this particular congregation that that we've joined doing more things in an outreach way to be participate to participate in some ways within the service of the church. But one of the things that I think is always going to be a challenge with me at this particular age that I'm at is that most of the volunteer activities, most of the opportunities, I would say, happen during a time of day when I'm simply not available. It's it's either that it's the Monday through Friday weekday sort of activity, where I think a lot of the people who volunteer to participate in food bank and other sort of ministries are retirees or um, housewives who don't work or, you know, stay-at-home dads who don't work, where their their time is a little bit more flexible. Or it's the kind of thing where you're trying to shoehorn one more thing into whatever might be planned on a particular Saturday or Sunday, where it's not always easy because odds are if we know somebody who's getting married or if we know somebody who's having some sort of a get-together, it's going to be on either Saturday or sort of an after-church Sunday sort of a thing. So that's the other problem that I would have is I can say that I could have ended up in a place where I might have traded in regular active church participation for this notion of being a volunteer somewhere. But a lot of the volunteer activities are 9 to 5 Monday through Saturday, and that makes it a little bit more challenging. So I guess the answer to my question is that, on the one hand, I'm glad this isn't the choice that I was left with, that I'm part of a congregation 
have joined a church, part of a community of faith. Uh, my wife and I, my daughter participates when she can. My son's visited with us too. So I feel better about that answer. I do feel like that gives me a way of equipping myself to continue to do some of the things that I do, whether it's simply sharing online or on those occasions when I am able to break away from the work routine and do something truly of a volunteer nature. But I think that that kind of, that doesn't mean that this is a bad question or that this question has an obvious answer. In other words, I don't think that because I've made one choice, that being to look at joining a church on one hand or, or engaging purely in, in volunteer charity community outreach on the other, this isn't an either or. But if forced to answer the question directly, whether serving at a food bank or soup kitchen is more worshipful than what we call church today, I think my answer would be, of course it is. And I think, of course, it is in part because we hear from both Jesus and, and in the New Testament passage I shared from James, this idea that true religion is all about that particular kind of service. There's a quote that I've shared previously maybe the very first year of inappropriate conversations, but I'll share it again here. I'll paraphrase just from memory. I think it's, I've heard it attributed to someone named David Winter. And the quote is that those who experience your love today will be much more interested in your faith tomorrow. It's the idea that church isn't just about putting up your worship times, unlocking your doors on Sunday morning, and inviting those who would come in to come in. There's more to it than that. And in many ways, so you're not going to be given the privilege of trying to address the spiritual needs of anybody if their physical needs are too great. So I refuse to let anybody look down at things like uh, food drives or soup kitchen type activities, homeless ministries, for example. I refuse to allow people to look down on those because it is precisely those kinds of immediate physical needs that have to be met. And it bothers me deeply to see conditions being placed upon that. So you see two things, which I think I really struggle with, that I would describe as, as being not a true religion, according to the letter writer James. One is churches that provide those kinds of services but require a forced conversion first. In other words, either tell me that you've converted to Christianity or my Christian denomination, or pretend that you have well enough, because that's the only way that you can get the vital help that you need. I find that extremely frustrating. I also find it extremely frustrating when, when government officials, when the state side of the church-state divide chooses not to do its part. There have been several news headlines lately. The state of Florida in particular has, has a lot of them. But there's also been stories uh, going back about a year ago to last winter in states like Illinois, where city officials are doing everything in their power to marginalize the people who are homeless and in need. Now, I can certainly respect law enforcement officials doing things to address the issue of people who are panhandling who aren't in need. But that's a much more difficult issue to get to the bottom of. And for me, arresting people for feeding homeless people is the wrong response. And this isn't just the response that we're seeing from governments in politically conservative states, because Florida is, beyond any doubt, a religious right state. But we're also seeing it from churches as well. And in some cases, when a church breaks from 
what is the current stream of evangelical Christianity and actually does try to do something in terms of providing resources, shelter, food, etc. for people who are truly homeless, truly out there on their own. Uh, sometimes you see other churches not get on board. So from that perspective, I answer, of course, to this question. Because to me, the question is, the answer is, of course, that's what we're supposed to be doing. If the only thing we can do is feed people, give them a warm coat, help arrange for shelter, if that's all we accomplish, if that doesn't lead to a shared moment of prayer, if it doesn't lead to a scripture reading, if it doesn't come with a uh, handout of a Bible along with the handout of the food, if those things don't play out in what you might consider to be a pure evangelism scenario, I think the most important thing is to address the immediate physical need. Heal first, then share. you got to earn the right to invite, I guess is the way I would word that. So as I close out this, this one phase of Walk the Earth, where I planned out several episodes that if the process of looking for a new church took me all the way to this Christmas, that I would still be looking at what the alternatives were and what were the things that were scaring me off, for want of a better word. If we take a look at the last few questions, just in that context, I think you'll see it. The previous Walk the Earth was talking about politics and how often the uh, expressions of political views in church have steered me away from certain congregations. Or the superficial nature of prayer. Uh, people who use a give-to-get approach to things like praying and financial giving. Um, that also uh, very off-putting, uh, not taking seriously the notion of spending time in prayer. I read a quote today online that said that your average local church pastor in America spends 20 minutes in personal quality prayer time, alone time with God. And a week, 20 minutes a week, is what the, your typical pastor is able to carve out in his or her own prayer life. But more than nine hours of dealing with the business, financial questions, and committee work of the church. That alone, I think, should give us a pretty good indication of what is wrong with the Christian religion, at least the Christian religion as it's manifest in America today. So, and then the, the other one, uh, just to go further back, this, this concept of faith versus superstition. So I was visiting churches, looking at and for these kinds of things and making decisions from that perspective. But as we go into next year, I think the questions are going to get a little, they're going to shift into a little bit of a different area. The next one I want to look back is going to talk about prophecy and how the prophecy in the Bible should be used and interpreted and, and whether there's more to it than that. Uh, down the line, we may be taking a look at questions related to sex, drugs and alcohol, other things of that nature. So it's not going to be a strictly religious version of inappropriate conversations. It's going to keep the walk the earth perspective, but it's going to be a walk the earth perspective that is perhaps less about finding a new church home, and more about a more general sense of finding my way. In the meantime, I'm still going to be looking for those opportunities where it's available to me and makes sense for me to do this volunteer work that James in the Bible describes as the true religion, because it's not enough to go to church and worship with other people in a congregation week after week after week if it's not leading anywhere, if it's not feeding anybody, whether literally or spiritually. I mentioned just a minute ago this concept of the right to invite and how 
when I got to the point of joining a new church, it occurred to me how hesitant or how just how it didn't play out that I was inviting that many people that often to the church we left behind. And there's a good reason for that. I mean, the people that I interact with at work, we're spread out over over such a distance that it wouldn't shock me if I work with somebody where the drive from his house to my house would be almost two hours long. So I'm not necessarily going to invite somebody to make an hour and 15 minute trek to my church to visit and go to church with me on any given Sunday. But I also realized that if I'd had out-of-town guests who were going to be staying over on a Sunday, the church we left behind, especially in the period of time when it was simply existing to fight with itself, that you'd go to church on some of those Sundays more focused on whether or not you were going to be verbally attacked or dealt some sort of uh, schneid underhanded tactic or something, you, you worried about that as much as anything. There's no way you'd invite somebody who was coming to visit from a long way away into fellowship with you there because it wasn't a healthy environment. You have to earn the right to invite. But even when you've got somebody who says, hey, I'd love to go to church with you. You're an interesting fellow. I like the way you shared your faith. Well, that's that's half the battle. The other half of the battle is having a community of faith that you'd feel comfortable introducing your friend to, where when someone asked them what they did for a living, the answer wouldn't get a sneer or some sort of negative body language or, you know, heaven forbid, something related to sexual orientation could make me think, well, my first priority is protecting my friends. And i got to protect my friends from being abused by people that I happen to worship with. So it's nice to know that now we're part of a congregation and in a community of faith where I would actually be excited about inviting somebody who actually gave me the permission to invite them. Because the right to invite is one thing. The the safe place to invite them into is a totally different matter. I've worked uh, side by side with people from work and from church before in, you know, outreach and community service activities. And there's something there that you aren't necessarily getting from worship on Sunday morning. But there's also something I get from worship on Sunday morning that I wouldn't expect to get if I was you know, looking for that at a home for the developmentally disabled or, or in, a, in a nursing home. It's a different matter altogether. So while the answer to this question biblically is, of course, we should be reaching out and that there is true religion to be found there, I'm also, for the time being, going to pursue worship in an equally traditional pathway. If and as you are led, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe with all my heart that you've been with me leading the way, the whole way, during this journey and during this transition. Lord Jesus, I also know that I have missed opportunities, that there are things that you've wanted me to see and wanted me to do that I haven't been aware enough sufficiently to get done and to accomplish. So Lord, be with me as I seek the balance between worshiping in the traditional way and worshiping in perhaps the most old-fashioned of all ways. You sent your followers out two by two to go from community to community. In the Acts of the Apostles, it tells us about the things that the Apostles did to take care of those who were poor and in need, to heal, if not 
in the medical sense, in the spiritual sense. So Lord, help me to find the balance now that we've found a church and feel equipped by that church. Jesus, help me to use the way you've equipped me to do what you would have me do. In your holy name I pray. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. Don't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, whether the prophets of old have been or need to be updated by contemporary prophecy. Thanks for listening.